You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. My name is Alex Johnson, and this was my last and by far the best year at teen camp. For three, for three years, I'd always hidden behind my ukulele and was hesitant to approach other campers, and I never jumped in an opportunity to try something new. I'll tell you now that it had been my biggest regret. I wanted to turn things around for this final year and come out of my comfort zone. I planned to be more energetic, more outgoing, and more adventurous, and I ended up making friends from different regions, participating in lots of competitions that ended up being really fun, hosting impromptu singing flash mobs with dozens of random teens past sunset, and even being the chant leader for the winning tribe of Barnabas. <laughs> for the first time, it was an overall energizing and fulfilling experience, and it served as a lesson that you regret so much less by putting yourself out there than choosing not to be seen at all. Mike Mead's lesson was on the first night, and it was called Choosing Your Chains, and I thought I'd share a few points that stood out to me. No matter how small they may seem, individual daily choices make a huge difference in your life. Good or bad, each of your choices become habits, and over time, habits become your automatic way of thinking and doing things. This automation makes you who you are as a person and defines your identity, which ultimately shapes your nature and your character. Your choices inevitably become you. So in a way, we are chained to our choices. By choosing Jesus every day, whether it be by choosing to have that prayer or choosing to do that study or choosing to show some kindness to that person, you are setting yourself up to be a spirit-filled child of God whose destiny is in his kingdom of heaven. I wanted to know what it meant to be a part of God's kingdom. There was a scripture that stuck with me from the very first day and it it related to every daytime lesson and every evening sermon that I went to. And I believe it's applicable to anyone in any situation. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 reads, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. To inherit his kingdom, it's important to always keep these virtues wherever you go and whatever you do. If there were any takeaways from this week that I'll remember and that I'll always be keeping on my mind, it's finding the scripture and learning how much I can apply it to my life and the choices I decide to make every day. I'm glad that I ended all my years of camp, um, all my years of camp on a high note. And as a senior, I'll really miss the thrill of going every year. Teen camp will always hold a special place in my heart and I'm beyond happy that God saved the best year for last. This experience has definitely made me want to come back as a counselor one day. Thank you. Uh, hey, everyone. Okay, so I'm going to share about camp. Uh, so I'm going to my senior year, so this is my last year, unfortunately, but I'd say this is probably my best one. Uh, not just because it was my last one or it's the most recent one, but I really think like the enthusiasm and like the encouragement of everyone was just on another level. It was definitely tangible, and I'd say, like, the highlight was really the worship. So, like, usually everyone, like, you know, they go up on the stage, you go crazy, they're like, you know, yeah. But, um, but this year you can definitely tell, like, especially by the last night, like, everyone is up going crazy, like, there's a huge mob. Uh, we, we tried crowd surfing, I've actually never seen that before, but <laughs> we dropped the kid anyway. <laughs> but it, it, it was all right, he was all right. Um, another highlight I'd say was probably the lessons, and I, I'd say Ruben was probably the, the most like impactful one. 
I think the unique part about camp is that it doesn't matter like what level of faith you're at or like what the situation's like at home. You can really come and like it's a it's a great way to like escape and like really like learn stuff for yourself. You don't really have to rely on just like oh yeah I go to church every day and blah 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 or every week sorry. Um, but anyway, like he said, uh, you never really feel like that spark of really like wanting to devote yourself to God. You just kind of have to take a leap of faith. I really like, he, he related it to a movie I really like, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And he's like, you know, he's like, Miles is on the building, you know, he like jumps off, takes a leap of faith, and he really finds out it's like, he's really meant to be Spider-Man. And I, I really think it's like, it's cool to see that in like, in real life. You can see like people that just take leap, leaps of faith and like, really turns out well for them. Um, and I just want to close it out with like a scripture that I thought kind of tied this all together. Um, it was 1 Kings 8, 61. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought like in camp, if you really give it your all, like instead of like my, my two middle years, I kind of was, you know, laying back, not really participating. But like when you kind of reach out and like make new friends, like Alex said, it's just really, it's a really great time. And yeah, thank you for letting me share. Um, okay, so my name is Dustin Peckman. I have the great privilege of introducing a couple young men up to the stage. I have Andy Steberg behind me and Caleb Lee right beside me. And in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul, he encourages, he challenges younger Timothy, not quite as young as these guys, but he challenges Timothy to not let anyone look down on him because he's young, but rather set an example for the believers. And these guys, I'm, I'm so proud of them. Um, I know that their parents are proud of them. And many of you have watched them grow up, and we get to hear them preach the word today. And so we're going to start off with Andy Steberg, and uh, he's going to He's going to preach the word and share some things that he learned from camp. The camp theme was kingdom, if you didn't get that, that uh, idea yet. And then Caleb is going to come up after Andy, and he's going to share some stuff from, uh, from what God was teaching him at camp. And he's going to close us out with a prayer for communion. So uh, Andy, he's a sophomore at PV High School. Caleb is a sophomore at South High. So these guys are young, but they are, uh, they are living for God, and they're going to share some of their convictions with you this morning. Whoa. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Stever, like Dustin said, and I'm really excited to share what God's been putting on my heart. Um, first off, I'd like to start off just saying, what a difference a year can make. Uh, thinking about where I was a year ago, uh, I was going into ninth grade, um, and I was going through a lot of things. Uh, going to camp that year for the first time, uh, it was something God knew I needed, even though I didn't know I did. Um, so after camp that year, my relationship and heart for God grew like crazy, and I got baptized September 20th, 2018, 6.55 p.m. in 38 seconds. Uh, yeah. So... Um, Fast forward to this year, uh, camp was a lot different uh, going as a disciple. The lessons were like really good and it was really fun at times, but it just felt for some reason, I can't put my finger on it, felt like 
the first year of camp was like so much better. Maybe it was because it was the first time I really realized I needed Jesus in my life. So it felt like a more convicting week. But I've been really reflecting and just like, like praying to God for uh, this whole month after teen camp for him to show me like what he truly wants me to get out of teen camp. Um, and I finally realized what it was a few days ago. Um, I realized how much I've grown and how much he's worked in my life from last summer to this summer, and I can tell you it is amazing. Um, I've seen, I still have my struggles, but boy, if you knew me like last year, I'm sorry, because I've grown a lot, you know. Um, yeah. But the main scripture that I want to focus on today is one we read the first night at camp, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Um, so uh, if you guys can turn there with me and say amen when you're there. All right. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So the three points I'm going to focus on uh, for the scripture is, one, what Jesus meant by it, two, some examples of it, and three, ultimately what it means for you guys. Um, so the passage that, uh, so from this passage, we can see that God wants you to let your light shine. Um, it says that your good deeds can attract people to God, but I think your story can as well. Um, Jesus uses the lamp and the bowl to represent something, but what does the bowl represent? I think it can represent like what holds us back from sharing our story or letting your light shine. Um, what holds us back? One is obviously fearing what other people will think or how they will look at you if you tell them. Um, another is comparing your story to others. You feeling like the things God has done in your life or how simple your story seems compared to someone else's can make you feel like self-conscious or it can make you feel that people won't think your story is as convicting as someone else's. I know this can be like especially true for people that have grown up in the church, including myself. Um, but if you feel these things, you're really missing the point of why God has given us each that specific story. So I think the reason he's given it to us is to glorify him. Anyone can share about what God has done. He wouldn't have given you your story if it couldn't impact somebody. Um, God shows his power through imperfect people, which is every single one of us. One of my favorite examples of this in the Bible is the woman at the well. Um, after Jesus told the Samaritan woman like everything she ever did, uh, in John 44, 39, it says, many of the Samaritans believed in him, referring to Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. So this was a woman who previously had five husbands, and that was with a man she wasn't even married to. Um, and after her encounter with Jesus, she went and told everyone in their town, like, like what had happened. Um, and here's the thing. They didn't, like, ask her about or shame her about all, all the sins she had been in and, and told them about. Instead, they were drawn to Jesus. They, they, wanted, to, they wanted to believe, and they believed in Jesus because of her testimony. This is what our testimonies are meant to do. Now, my testimony isn't exactly like the woman at the wells, but it's still just as important. Uh, I've shared my testimony before here, so I want to like focus specifically on like how God, how like becoming a disciple has changed my life going into high school. Um, 
So I had no regrets, like, like, and I knew I made the right choice, um, but I did not realize like how hard high school would be, like everyone was telling me. At the beginning of the year, right around the time I became a disciple, like, like, people didn't realize how much I changed over the summer, like I said, because my relationship with God grew. So I had a bit of a reputation, you could say, going into high school that wasn't one you wanted if you're trying to become a disciple. Um, so almost right away, I was getting invited to parties, and all my friends, like, even the ones closest to me started going, and, like, they just totally switched up over the summer. They, they like, they went the opposite way I did. Um, so after a few times, uh, and I didn't show up, like, kids started asking me why, and I told them why, and they started to say that they missed the old Andy. Um, in a way, that, that's great because they could see a change in me. Like, that's what you want. But at the same time, that hurt a lot, coming from people that I thought were my friends. Um, so having no other disciples at your school at that time, in that moment, uh, it hit me hard, being a newborn Christian that just lost all of his friends because he stood up for what he believed in. But as time went on, there's a good part, um, a lot of my old friends started, that party, like, started to come back to me and, like, ask, like, like, like they wanted to know why. And I told them it was a great opportunity to share my faith, my, my story of what happened last summer. But, like, some weren't as accepting as others, but a lot actually respected me for it, which is what you want. Um, um, I mean, and two actually wanted to come out to my church, so still working on them, but they were impacted and they appreciated what I was doing. So that's, what I, that's all I could ask for. There were times where I almost did let my temptation and fear of being left out, like, lead me to parties, but that's when my brothers in Christ really helped me, um, and they were there for me. I wouldn't be up here right now if it wasn't for them. Um, and looking back on it, taking a stand for God wasn't easy. I still have to deal with all the worldly high school things that people say I've been missing out on for the next three years, but I've already seen what God can do, um, and I know my actions and story can impact others at my school. So in the next three years, I'm expecting to see more of like the crazy good works God can do at my school through me and others. Um, but so as I close out here, um, I just have a question for all of you to reflect on. It's what's holding you back from sharing what God has done in your life? Is it something in your past that you can't get over or accept? Is it fearing what other people will think? Feeling like your story isn't as convicting as someone else's? Whatever it is, pray about it and get open about it. Your vulnerability and your, and your openness can really help someone who might be going through the same thing you are. Um, so don't minimize what God is doing in your life. You can bring people hope even though you're imperfect. Share what God has done in your life. Don't be afraid of what other people think. You have your own unique story for a reason. You are God's masterpiece and you glorify him with your light. So... Whether you've been a Christian or you haven't been, it doesn't matter. You can still bring glory to him now. Your story matters. Um, and that's the biggest takeaway uh, I had from camp. So uh, now I'm going to invite my, my brother up, Caleb, the man, the myth, the legend. Caleb Lee. Uh, thank you all. Hey guys, I'm Caleb Lee. Oh shoot, where's the clicker?
As I was saying, my name is Caleb Lee, and I got baptized on June 17th, 2018. Yeah, it's been the best decision of my life, and I'm really grateful for all the ways that God has opened up my eyes and my heart. So uh, I got the privilege of going to teen camp this past year, and one of my takeaways from this year was that I serve an all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving God, and his kingdom is everyone and everything that submits itself to the authority and rule of Jesus. So um, in my lesson today, I'll be talking about how much God cares for each and every one of us. So uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. Okay, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven... Uh, oh, yeah, thank you. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So, when most people uh, use this scripture... We see the main character as ourselves and the kingdom of heaven as a place we end up when we die or the church. So when we read the scripture, we think that it means when you've given up everything you have by denying yourself and picking up your cross daily and what it truly means uh, that you're overcome with joy. But if we look around this parable, we see that all the other parables have Jesus as the main character. So why should this one be any different? So by applying uh, the definition that I had earlier that the kingdom is everyone and everything that submits itself to the authority and rule of Jesus, we see that Jesus gave up everything that he had to go after us and to seek us. And he had so much value in us that um, he was overjoyed and he went and um, uh, he gave up everything that he had for us. So... I believe that uh, he was really trying to emphasize his point of giving up everything he owned and putting all of his value in the kingdom which we are part of. And if we think about it that way, it shows us how much we, uh, individual special beings, uh, matter to God, and that him being the all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving God that he is, came down to earth to show us his magnificence because he loves us that much. So, um, here's a, a meme that my mom sent me. She, she sends me memes all the time, and it's, it's, it's really funny, but sometimes it's just like, wait, why'd you send that to me? Like, I'm in school. And um, so, yeah, this one, I, I really like this one because it, it says, if God put this much detail in a snowflake, what makes you think your life is any less important? And it just really shows us how much God loves us and he cares for us and all of our self-worth, even when we're feeling down and like, oh, I'm just an ordinary person. But uh, God really cares for you. So I've had many examples in my life how the king has sought after me. When I was studying the Bible about a year and a half to two years ago and was trying to figure out who this king Jesus is, I would meet up with a couple guys 
sorry. I really looked up to them because um, they were and are great spiritual figures in my life, and they are always giving me the right answer to do in different situations that come up. These guys like Dustin Peckman, Justin Monteclaro, and Traven Dabney really helped me understand who this loving and caring father is because I was clueless about his love even though I grew up in the church. They would call me or text me at least once a week to ask me how I'm doing or just check up on me. And they would always ask, like, when the next time we want to meet up is. I really appreciate these spiritual men because of how much of their time and energy was spent on helping me understand him and their, and their effort helping me in my walk with God. I remember feeling really encouraged and valued because of their efforts. That process was definitely God seeking after me, even though I'm an ordinary person living an ordinary life I've been given a purpose to serve an extraordinary God who believes that ordinary is divine. I was also able to make many friends along the way, friends who would always be there for me and who would always be there for me because one is weak and easily broken. And also with many advisors, victory is sure. So this, the meme that my mom sent me is a great example because of how intricate and well-designed the snowflakes are, and God really makes them look special, so it shows us how much worth we're given as humans and as his creation as a part of his kingdom. To understand that God is seeking after me, all I had to do was take a tiny step towards him. From that, uh, to all the younger people or people who are visiting uh, and have been invited to church, I really want to encourage you and challenge you guys to ask the person who invited you or ask your teen leader or mission point leaders who Jesus is and why he loves you so much and why he's given up everything for you. I want to challenge you to take that tiny step towards him knowing that he will do all the rest in seeking after you. And for all the, peoples, and for all the people who are disciples, I want to encourage and even challenge you to acknowledge some of the ways God has sought after us. As a challenge, let's call or text to see how the person who invited us to church is doing in the beginning and check up on them. And really thank them for allowing you this opportunity to know a great and powerful king. Let's also write down in our journals a couple of ways that God has sought after and, giving, and given everything for us and thank him for those examples. Okay, uh, right now I'm going to transition over to communion. And um, communion is a celebration of the death of Jesus where we take his juice as blood and his bread. Wait, what? He, we, take, <laughs> we, we take the juice as his blood and the bread as his body. So if you would please turn to me to Luke 22, verse 14. Okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 22. All right. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 
After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again. Uh, wait, where was I? I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been declared, but woe to the man who betrays him. So after reading this scripture, we can see that Jesus was, was excited to eat with his friends. He was pumped up and hyped to be able to hang out with them for one last time. But uh, let's celebrate with his friends the coming of the kingdom. That's what it was. Despite knowing that he was about to go through much suffering and pain and that one of his closest friends would ultimately betray him and lead him to his suffering, he didn't even treat his betrayer any differently and he loved them all the same. It shows that although what was going to happen, he was eager and excited to meet and break bread with his disciples the day before he would be taken. So as we take this bread and juice that represents his body and blood, remember his death and suffering on the cross and how Jesus gave up everything so that we can be saved and be the ordinary people living ordinary lives in submission and honor to an extraordinary king. All right, will you please bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity to serve you, God, with the teens. And I just really want to thank you for everyone who's been helping us, uh, like Brian and Lindsay and uh, the other Brian. And thank you so much for their hearts and... Uh, and letting and helping them serve us, God. And just, I, I really want to thank you for everyone here today because they're seeking after you. And I really want to um, pray for those who are sick or those who are in need, God, that you would help them with whatever you can. And it's not by our will, but yours. Um, I really want to thank you for your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for our sins, God. Um, without him, we wouldn't be here today. And um, I really want to thank you for his heart and... Um, just thank you for um, everything that I've been blessed with. And in your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.